Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey everybody, happy President's Day. Welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for uh, tuning in here. Interest in the podcast continues to grow. I'm just thrilled with the response so far. So thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. Uh, I've had, I think we're up to 12,000 downloads here in the first uh, five or six weeks. So off to, I, I guess that's a strong start. I don't know. I've been told that's a strong start. Uh, we hope to improve on that though. And uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, could be listening and uh, we hope to to draw you guys in and uh, get you to listen here at least once a week. And I have also been uh, posting, as you've seen, uh, morning audio commentary also, which is just a very short kind of run through the headlines every morning. It's going well so far. I'm happy to do it. I like doing this stuff. Um, kind of a busy weekend. I went to a cool event um, in Nashville. It was a um, it was a musician swap, and you know, there's a million musicians in in Nashville and around the area. You know, the people will tell you things like, "Oh, you know, in Nashville, your butcher's a better guitar player than you are," and <clears throat> and that's true uh, in in a lot of cases. Uh, in any instance, I went to this uh, musician swap, which was at the uh, the American Legion Hall, and there was some cool stuff there, um, some really old, cool vintage stuff that I don't know if, if you would find it anywhere else. Uh, the one the one thing I almost bought was a uh, resonator guitar, which was made by a company called National, and National has made resonators for years and years and years, and uh, this one was from the 50s, I think, and it had been through a lot. It had been rebuilt and reconstructed. Uh, it played really well. Um, I thought the price tag was a little steep. There was some other cool stuff there too. There was a, um, a Gibson mandolin that was from the forties and it was in phenomenal shape and, uh, had a hefty price tag to go along with that. I'm not a mandolin player, but if I was, I may have been interested in that. Also a really cool, uh, Gibson J 45 and J 45 is probably Gibson's most, um, uh, Gibson's a famous guitar manufacturer, of course. And the J 45 is, is probably their most popular or, uh, well-circulated acoustic guitar, and uh, this one, I believe, was from the 40s or 50s, but it was a uh, gorgeous instrument. Could have bought that one, too. I uh, cooked some steaks up yesterday. Uh, they do have a guy in my neighborhood who gets some prime steaks, and uh, that's been a good deal. So other than that, it's back going to be back to travel season. I did a uh, uh, television taping at the uh, Farm Machinery Show in Kentucky last week. Um, I've got to drive to Ohio this week. I've got to drive to Iowa next week. Um, got to drive to Kansas the week after that. So I got a little bit of traveling going on. And then I think after that first week in March, it's going to be kind of back to business as usual. I have friends that travel like that every week where they're gone, you know, Monday through Thursday, just about every week. I don't know how people do that sort of schedule. I don't, I don't think I could ever do it. The seasonal stuff is plenty for me. So the talk today is the China situation. And actually, there's more than one China situation. There are a lot of things going on in China right now, many of which uh, impact our markets and our farms and 
just a whole lot of things, our grain marketing, of course, and I'm going to try to get into uh, some of the specifics there. I mean, we've got, you've still got African swine fever on the radar, and it's it's kind of been brushed under the rug here because you've also got coronavirus, which has been the bigger headline recently. Um, you've got the trade deal, of course. Uh, you've got the question of when, if ever, is China going to increase agricultural purchases as outlined in the trade deal. Um, just a lot of, a lot of things in China right now that, that are impacting or have the potential to even greater uh, make a greater impact on our market. So that's that's what we're going to run through. And this, of course, is interesting because it's it impacts so much of what we do. When you look at a product like soybeans, essentially half of our demand base for, for U.S. soybeans is exports. You've got half of the beans that we grow here in this country typically are crushed. Uh, we'll see a, a, a NOPA report, NOPA crush report out on uh, Tuesday morning, and they'll tell us how many beans... Uh, U.S. processors crushed during the month of January, and that's typically half your demand base for beans. And then the other half is exports, and that's where China comes in, being the world's largest uh, soybean importer and, of course, historically a very large buyer of U.S. beans. So there's a lot of interesting uh, things here. The first one I'm going to start off with is is this. Uh, this is a story that uh, Bloomberg printed uh, over the weekend. And I know that I've had a lot of people on Twitter. Um, I, I do some work for Bloomberg, uh, some commentary on ag markets and their Twitter account. Uh, they have a Twitter account called Bloomberg Quick Take. And I, I do some some quick. It's exactly what it says it is. It's quick take. It's, it's a 45 second to a one minute uh, piece on, on any given topic. And as of late, since Bloomberg uh, got really aggressive with his presidential uh, run and started throwing a whole bunch of money at ads. Every time I put, every time I, I send something to Bloomberg and they post it, um, I get a, a bunch of responses from people saying that uh, I'm being paid by Bloomberg to badmouth the trade deal and uh, to bad <laughs> and to badmouth Trump, and that's not what I'm doing at all. Uh, I have no, I don't get paid by Bloomberg. I just do a little bit of work for them through CME Group, but uh, I've never seen a dime from that. And no, I'm not on, uh, I'm not on Mike's payroll. Uh, that might be a nice place to be. Uh, he's got a lot of money, but uh, no, I'm, I'm not. But in any case. Uh, so the article that Bloomberg printed this morning, and, and for the moment, no, I, I don't believe that Bloomberg has an agenda when it comes to their uh, articles on ag purchases. They say that China is considering some purchases of U.S. agricultural goods by as early as March as a way to show that it's still committed to the phase one trade deal. And this, of course, is according to a whole bunch of anonymous sources. Um, so what we're seeing here in this article or what what I gather from this is that Maybe late February, early March, we'll see some purchases of ag products. China hasn't said or specified which ag products, and it more sounds to me like these would be kind of goodwill purchases to to make the U.S. believe or or show us uh, show the U.S. government that China is is very much still interested in being a part of this trade deal. It doesn't sound to me, after reading through this article, that China has even the thought of hitting that $36.5 billion uh, in ag purchases out of the U.S. this year. That That is not something that I'm gathering from reading this article. So we've got just a lot of hurdles here when it comes to China. I mean, <clears throat> the first thing, even even if circumstances were normal and we had no coronavirus, we had no African swine fever, 
to do record purchases, to, to buy that $36.5 billion in U.S. ag purchases in this calendar year, before December 31st of this year, I think it would be highly unlikely. I think that given the situation with with these these X factors, your your African swine fever, your coronavirus, I just I think it's gonna be almost impossible. And again, as I've as I've said about other topics on the show before, I hope I'm dead wrong about this. I hope they buy every bit of what they committed to to, to buying in the phase one trade deal, thirty six and a half billion and another whatever it was, forty two billion uh, in twenty twenty one. We hope that that happens. Now, what are the candidates for big increases in purchases? Um, you got You've got to look at the protein sector and think that pork, uh, poultry, and China just approved imports of live poultry from the U.S. And remember, China had banned uh, any and all poultry imports from the U.S. from twenty fifteen up until. Uh, just this last month or two, uh, that that would seem to be a, a big candidate for me. Now, soybeans would be the obvious one that a lot of people have pointed to. And I have told you repeatedly on a, a daily basis, pretty much, that U.S. soybeans are just not going to be competitive versus Brazil at any point between now and probably U.S. harvest in October. So it, it, it's not impossible for China to come in and buy beans from the U.S. at non-competitive prices, when Brazil and Argentina are going to have a combined record crop and they've got this big currency advantage, they've got a freight advantage, they've got so much going for them and, and we just don't. So the, the soybean thing seems to be a problem for me. I, I see the, the story in, in proteins. Um, I actually talked to a really smart guy over the weekend who thought that corn was a, was a candidate for a big surge in uh, imports to China and that China Chinese corn stocks have been drawn down and that uh, China could actually buy a whole bunch of corn from the U.S. Uh, for feed, not just via ethanol. Um, and, and that would be amazing. I don't think the corn market, the way that large money managers are set up and the way that the market's set up, I don't think the corn market expects that. That would certainly be wonderful. So, I mean, best case scenario here, of course, is that we start to see some purchases in February, March, and then they start to accelerate and the market starts to buy into it, and you get a big short covering event in the soybean market where funds are short ninety thousand something contracts, funds are short sixty thousand something contracts of corn. If you get enough purchases, I think it would be enough to push the funds out of those short positions. That's something that I think could present us with a marketing opportunity. I do. Um, now the question, I, I guess, a big question for me, and a, a question that I've been asked many times by by farmers in particular, you know, when is China going to buy and when is it going to increase prices? I can't guarantee you that either of those things happen happens. I mean, I can't guarantee you that China's going to make this big surge in, in imports. You, you can't, you can't bet on that. It's just like, it kind of goes back to some of the previous podcasts. Like you can't, you can't, uh, be guaranteed that USDA is going to help you in any of these reports because they haven't so far. You know, the argument is still out there that the 2019 corn crop is overstated and that it has to come down. Well, USDA hasn't helped you and it's it's mid-February. Um, the same can be said for this China situation. It's it's something that's possible that China comes in and buys a whole bunch of ag goods uh, and, and pushes these prices to much higher levels. But it doesn't have to happen. And as I mentioned, the way that the markets are set up, especially the row crop markets, uh, managed money heavily short. You got a lot of carry in the soybean market in particular, not not as much in the corn market recently. But the markets are not trading as if we're going to see a big surge in purchases. And you hope that that shifts and presents us with a marketing opportunity. Um, I talked before uh, in, in a previous podcast about how 
the fund positioning uh, can often tell us when uh, marketing op- it can be an indicate an indicator in regard to grain marketing when funds get heavy long corn heavy long soybeans heavily long wheat that oftentimes correlates with some of your better marketing opportunities throughout the calendar year so that's something as grain marketers that we're going to have to watch here if we get into the situation where China actually does come in and okay let's say let's say Bloomberg's right today and late February early March early March China comes in and starts to make purchases of U.S. ag products, and, and it starts small. It starts small. It starts all, it starts looking like they're goodwill purchases, but then it accelerates, and you start to get managed money to flip positions. Once we hit that 100000 long in corn, uh, 50000 long in beans, no matter how bullish the headline at that point, I believe that we will have to start being aggressive when it comes to grain marketing. Um, I, I've talked about headlines so many times. <clears throat> Actually, I was on, I was on U.S. Farm Report over the weekend, and uh, uh, I, I don't think they aired it. Maybe they'll air it during the week. They probably won't. But somebody asked me about something about headlines came up, and I said that news is poison um, in front of this crowd of about 500 people on on a farm news show, and that was probably not a smart thing uh, for me to say. But in any case, it's it, news isn't poison. It's you need to know how to use it, and when the headlines and the sentiment gets real friendly, the funds get long, those again, and I feel like I talk about this all the time, but once you get to that that ad, that environment where everything appears to be friendly, those are going to be some of your best marketing opportunities. And the way to gauge that sentiment, um, for me at least, the best way to do it is through looking at those CFTC reports, those fund positioning. Uh, it's just, it's it's been a very good indicator throughout the years. It really has been. And it's a great gauge for sentiment. You know, the one thing about the funds or large money managers that's interesting versus everybody else in the market is that they don't have a, phys- a, a physical position in the market. So they don't own a whole bunch of corn. They uh, don't buy a whole bunch of corn. They're just trading the market to make money. They're just speculating. Uh, so I think that when they've got an extreme position, it's a very good uh, tangible tangible indicator of sentiment. Whereas, you know, me talking to farmers on the phone all day, every day, I can gauge sentiment, but I can't, I can't really quantify it. I can say, maybe I could, maybe I could say, okay, I made, I I took a hundred phone calls today and out of the 195 of them were people with a friendly attitude. So maybe I I could do it, but I can't, I'm not going to start making charts of that. Uh, But what I can do is, is very easily chart the CFTC data from week to week from month to month and look at the historicals and see when it makes sense historically to a look at the fund position b see that it's it has historically uh, correlated with a marketing opportunity and then act on that so i think that there is something actionable there so back to the china thing i kind of went off on a tangent there about headlines if the headlines do turn positive and right now i'd say the headlines are kind of negative we haven't seen the big surge in purchases we haven't really seen any purchases of 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 uh, any importance here since the trade deal was signed more than a month ago. But if this thing starts to turn positive, if, if you get back toward the positive uh, kind of cycle here that we've been in with this trade war back and forth for more than a year now, uh, that's where we're going to have to get a little bit more serious about grain marketing, certainly. And on the other uh, end of that fund positioning, you know, you look at what we've got going here uh, in a week like this. Funds are short, what I'd call almost, they're almost getting to an extreme on the short side in the soybean market. Uh, that 
typically does not correlate at all with a marketing opportunity. In fact, looking at that chart in soybeans, I'd say that funds are heavy short. If I'm an end user of beans, this is probably where I start to get real aggressive and a little bit greedy almost. Uh, in the corn, it's a, it's a modest short position in corn. Funds are short about 70,000 contracts of corn as of last Tuesday. That doesn't really do anything for me. And in wheat, I, I did talk about how the, the fund long in SRW wheat almost got up to about 50,000. It's only been up to 50,000 two times in the last five years. So I think that that we may have seen and, and had been in the midst of some sort of marketing opportunity in the wheat market uh, for the last several weeks. And, and the wheat market has come off of its highs, uh, certainly. So what's the take home here with this China news? I, I think the take home is this. We may potentially see some friendly headlines regarding the U.S.-China trade situation in the next few weeks. We may see some purchases. They may be short-lived. They may become extended. We just don't know. I think the take-home is that if we get to a point at which, one, the news starts to turn really friendly, two, the funds start to turn along this market, um, and, and sentiment overall uh, sentiment overall, just, just really shifts on a dime and, and goes from negative to positive. And it could happen. It, it very much could happen because we've seen the situation go back and forth so many times. You're going to have to take a serious look at your grain marketing when things look the best or start to look better. I think that that is, is really the take home here from this China stuff. And there, there, of course, there's, there's a lot of, of different pieces here. I mean, like I said, I, th I still think African swine fever is a problem. I still think coronavirus is a problem and just a, a an unknown, uh, maybe more than a problem short term is what sort of impact does that present uh, bigger picture. But this doesn't have to be overly complicated. I don't think that you need to track the coronavirus numbers minute by minute. I don't think that you need to, to track all of the exact mathematics regarding the potential purchases. Just pay attention when everybody starts to get positive, if, let's say if, if everyone starts to get positive, if the funds start to, to flip their position in this market, if sentiment shifts, if China starts to buy and, and we s begin to see a shift in the narrative, don't uh, let your grain marketing fall to the wayside. As a matter of fact, that's going to be the time to, to pay the most attention. Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, if you need some help with your grain marketing, Go to my website, go to www.standardgrain.com, click on Grain Marketing Plan, take a look at my subscription service. It's 49 bucks a month. Cancel at any time, build to your credit card. Uh, you'll get my morning email, which goes out every day at 6.30 Central Time. Uh, you'll get all the grain marketing recommendations. You'll know exactly when and how I'm marketing corn, soybeans, and wheat throughout the calendar year. Uh, there's a text message service included, and it also includes consulting. So what that means is that you know if you're a subscriber and let's say you have a cash grain contract that you'd like a second opinion on, uh, give me a call, send me an email. I'll talk to you about it because you're once you pay that subscription, you're a customer, and uh, I'd be happy to work with you on that. Uh, we'll be back at the markets on Tuesday. I'll be doing a little bit of traveling this week. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.